Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Short. Hi, guys. All right. So this is a dumb thing that I just had to throw out there real quick. I am because you know how you know how we go through the we go through the um, playoffs and you have to sit there and um, watch the same commercials over and over again. And oh, it yes. Makes, it makes you crazy. Right. So there's every year there's a commercial like last year it was uh, turtle insurance or whatever it was or. Mm-hmm. You know, I forget what it was. Something with no, the- no, no, no. It was um, uh, it was a Geico commercial. Yeah, but, yeah. But Which, uh, yeah. you know, are funny the first sixty times you see them, and then maybe you know some of them are hilarious, and some of them are but even. But even after the seventieth, the, the two girls, the two girls on the treadmill, the guy right, right, the, that. Yeah. The one that's got me this year is the Verizon one, where the mother is like walking through the walking through the living room and and says, you know, oh, we got them great internet, and then the kid goes, and this this like pimply like teenager or whatever with black hair comes up and says what you don't have verizon <laughs> you don't have fios like like the most obnoxious thing imaginable like this kid yeah. i'm just thinking I, I, yeah. i'm just thinking I, every time i see it i want to say you pay for the freaking internet jerk right. you know like it's just like wait you don't have fios what's wrong with you you're an idiot you know it's like that kind of talking to us yeah. like, and that's like to me like what are we telling our children like if, if one of my kids talked to me like that yeah I, I wish we had the alternate version of this commercial where the mother just wha- winds up smacks I, him right across the face i mean i grew up the son of a of a air force lieutenant colonel right like if, if i ever spoke to my parents that way oh, yeah yeah i mean i would be thrown against the garage door right. and I, I was never obviously never And yeah. he, never, he never used it in the classroom, but at the point that he taught was from the 50s to the, the early 90s. There yeah. was corporal punishment and it was acceptable. And he wow. had a paddle on the wall of his classroom that said, burned in it, board of education. That's great. <laughs> um, no, I just, I, I just, I'm just astonished. And and then you think about like, this is, this is the way. And you know, I have I have a daughter, and I have I'm around kids a lot. Um, and there there is a certain way that they talk to adults that's very different, like than when we were there. And it's and you know, you get used to it. And you once in a while, you have to throw yourself. You know, you have to throw your you, the fact that you're not just their friend at them, and like, wait a second, you know, you you gotta not you, you gotta like respect me a little bit more than that. I said you can't go there this weekend. You can't go there. It's like that's what it, that's how it works. You know, that's how it worked for me. I'm not trying to be a jerk. Or whatever, and I, I'm rarely have to do that with my kids. But once, some, sometimes I just completely see the commercial like this, and I realize that this is actually how a lot of kids do talk to their to their parents these days. And and this commercial just emphasizes it, you know. And it it plays against that whole thing of like, oh, you know, parents don't possibly know anything about the internet. They they have this, you know, and this kid's yeah, like, you yeah, need yeah. FiOS to be able to do it. It's like, oh my god, I just want to just. The, his re, his reaction just makes me angry every time I see it, and it has it just gets worse now because I'm sick of the commercial as well. So I'm just throwing that out there. Anyway, go ahead. So, so a couple of quick things. Um, Mike, something happened today in the Met game. I know it's only one fifteen, but it's and it's not unprecedented, but it probably hasn't happened in a lot of years. And somebody went back and said fifty years was the last time he remembers it, and that was in the first inning. The Mets batted out of order. Oh my God! Oh, they batted out of order. In oh my inning. God! Are you kidding me? I love it. A lot of times you can bat out of order late in the game, right? You pinch hit a few things. Your lineup, your scorecard gets screwed up. You make a mistake. Wow! It happened to them on the second batter. I thought you were going to say in the first inning something interesting happened. That's like no, no, this is interesting. Hold on, that's interesting. Well, no, but it's baseball, you know. So I know. Well, I mean, no, I know. listen. And- and this ex- this explains something, Russ, because I think it was Peter Body, who's uh, a New York writer. I think he's a baseball writer. Um, he put out a question um, regarding uh, the Leafs in 2002 against the Islanders. Pat Quinn left someone off of the lineup sheet. He had he only had 19 guys on the lineup sheet. He left Robert Reichel 
off the lineup sheet and they had to like, he was on the ice, he was getting ready and they said, okay, he's not on here. You can't play him. So they had to play with 19 and they actually won that game. They played with 19 and I, my response to him, cause he asked like sort of this, do Lee fans remember this? And I said, well, yeah, it was probably easy to, easy to forget Robert Reichel based on how he played for the Leafs. Right. But, but, here's, but here's what happened. Like teams always post the, um, the starting lineups on Twitter. So right. Posted it, and they had his Drupal Cabrera hitting third. But you don't know what happens between Twitter and the manager, and that's why you bring a lineup card to the to the umpire. Wow. So they brought up the lineup card to the umpire. Cabrera hits second. He hits a double. They're calling the game. Even the even the guys calling the game say, "Well, something's going on here." Because Jim Riggleman's walking out to talk to the umpire, and and then one of the other guys said, "Well, maybe there's something." with the batting order, but even they weren't sure. And sure enough, Cabrera was supposed to hit third. So he got a double turned into an out. And, you know, that makes it even worse. So what do they do? Do they, do they have the guy who batted, who's supposed to bat second, bat it's third? A, two outs. Second, bat it's third? A, two outs. It's two outs in a row. You're out of the inning. Oh, my goodness. Wow. I mean, that's you got a rookie manager there, so. Yeah, and so that you know that erased Wilmer Flores, and so yeah, it's it's a brutal move that a rookie manager is going to get killed for. Now, as far as the Matt Harvey trade, and the only thing I could say is for the Dark Knight stuff, yeah, it, it was fun, but I always knew Harvey had an attitude, mm-hmm. and I also knew that he never learned how to actually be a pitcher. He was a thrower, and. When he came back from this rib injury in spring training, I remember tweeting to a buddy of mine, uh, messaging him, hey, Matt Harvey's out of shape here. Look at him. He he doesn't look right. And he had just had a rib injury operation where they took out that rib, you know, whatever that's called. Well, that's the thoracic outlet. And that's the thing that Stamkos had, right? That's what Stamkos had. And, and his velocity was down. And, and people poo-pooed me. Oh, Russ, you're, you're looking too much into it, yada, yada, yada. Well, now we're down the road here. And – his velocity's down, and he's now on the Cincinnati Reds. By the way, he hasn't even reported to the Reds yet. He's going to take the full the full forty eight hours. So, if you want to talk about like something that never happens in hockey, like a if a guy gets sent to the minors in hockey, no matter how good they are, they always go. And b if a guy gets traded, other than Shipashov, I can't remember a guy who really you know didn't go down. By the way, well. And- I- I was I was going to ask that to bring it yeah. back to hockey. I was trying to think of somebody who was as much of a pain in the ass as Harvey has been to the Mets being traded just for basically to get him off the team. And Avery wasn't traded to Dallas. He signed as a free agent there, right? Yes. Okay. So they but they traded him back to the Rangers because yes. he was a pain in the ass. They couldn't deal with him. Okay. But, but at the end of the day, Shipashov's the only one who I could think of. Like they they asked him to go for assignment and he didn't actually play. Right. And then as far as when a guy gets traded, guys always show up right away. And right. and actually he's playing against his old team, so you'd think that he would actually go there and really volunteer to do anything and know he's gonna miss the series so he could show up and show up at his own time. And I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, Russ, I, I'll, between the sports. I'll bet you anything he doesn't show up. I'll bet you anything he says he I don't want to show play, up. I don't want to play for the Reds. I was asked that question. If he doesn't show up, because the trade was already consummated and the other player traded from the Reds, the catcher, is in the Mets lineup and playing, mm-hmm. I believe he'll get suspended. And I, then I think he would have to have have to meet with the commissioner and the Players Association and something would happen beyond that. I think it would become that big of a deal. Because it's really can't... interesting what would happen if they would if they would yeah. make them send somebody else in that trade because you know they or could. they could do that. Yeah, because I mean, I mean, basically, if 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 Harvey like Harvey was like three days away from being a free agent, right? Yeah. So if 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 the Mets traded him, I mean, the Mets legitimately needed a catcher, so you can't say that they did this just to screw Harvey. But Harvey right. probably wanted to be a free agent to choose the best scenario for him to, you know, Cincinnati is a bandbox of a ballpark. You hit home runs if you breathe there. It's not conducive to a guy trying to get back on the tr- on track of his career. Nope. Um, you know, so, I mean, I, I'll bet you there's a p- chance that he, that he said he bucks the trend and says, I'm not going there. Yeah. yeah I think they'll, they'll be, that'll be a big deal though, if he does. And, yeah. and we'll see. I mean, look in the old days, as an example, um, 
Bobby Clark traded his son-in-law, Peter. What was his last name? Uh, Peter, White. Peter White. Peter White to Utah. Yeah. So um, when you when you do want to get it even with a player, I do believe the Mets did did get a catcher, but also did get even with Harvey. I think to a ballpark that's bad for pitching. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. Colasposito did the same thing. Remember, Alexander Salavanov was his was his son-in-law. Yeah. So well, all that's, right. that's pretty crazy. All right. Well, that is I like the batting out of order thing. That was fun. <laughs> every day yeah. you're so enthused about baseball just think no, I, I actually did that. that's pretty funny that reminds me of like you know, four more months of this happens in little league yeah that's like a little that's a total little league thing it you is know? i mean if you do that in little league you're completely humiliated so yeah, i can't Walter imagine what i would walk out of the out of the dugout how like how did they do what what happened did he, did he step up to the plate and like no, look, I got, hit. A got a hit you got a hit, and then they, then they, then they changed it. And then the opposing manager went out to the umpire and showed him the lineup card, and the umpire looked at his lineup card that he got and <laughs> said, "You're right." And then he went out. Oh. That's awesome. All right. Well, there you go. All right, let's begin. Hello, hockey world. It's Wednesday, May 9th, two thousand and eighteen. I'm Michael Agello. I'm Russ Cohen from Sportsology. And I'm Eklund. You're watching the Hockey Buzzcast on HockeyBuzz.com. This is the podcast that comes every Monday through Friday at this time to fill you in on the comings and goings in the hockey world. And today, we're going to talk a little bit of rumors. We're going to talk a little bit about the, the series coming up. We're going to do a little bit of drafting, of, of a draft preview from us. We're going to have a, basically a little potpourri of a show. We'll take some questions from you as well. Um, and uh, I think maybe we could start today, you know, with a with a with um. With a rumor, let's let's start let's start right off the bat with Eric Carlson because I wrote about Eric Carlson today and you know what the latest is with this situation and you know this is one of those strange situations because remember now Carlson is not is not a free agent he's not a UFA he's got another year under his contract still so he could still the auto centers don't have to do anything they could play him through this year mm-hmm. they could just keep, you know they could lose him for nothing or they could trade him at the deadline still still do All right um. But the belief has always been, I mean, even in Carlson's mind, I mean, picking up the puck at the end of the at the end of the year last year or what have you, all even right down to that, you know, that he's going to go somewhere else this summer. I agree. Right? Um, I'd be and, shocked uh, if I see if we see him in a, in a senator's uniform at the start of training camp. I'd be shocked. Right now, there are a lot of teams that are that that you know, obviously, you know, someone said to me, yeah, there's 30 teams that would like Eric Carlson, which is true, you know, um, and and you know, there would be 31 if if Ottawa wanted to keep him. Right. Um, but then there's the, uh, then there's the issue of Carlson of how good is Carlson really, you know, and, you know, he's obviously been a great player. You, you players do get paid on past performance, but he has fallen a little bit in the last year or so. Um, you know, well, and so people wonder, you know, what he's asking for is, you know, to be the highest paid defenseman and he's, well, he's among the top five defensemen in the league right now. So sure he should be, but how, for how long is he going to be among the top five? Defensemen well, in the, league? The, so. the things, the things that are going to mitigate his value this summer in terms, see if this, if the senators are looking to hit like a grand slam home run, they're sadly mistaken for a couple reasons. Yeah. One, he didn't have a great year. Now the, you could say that's all the distraction of what was going on and Melnick and the bad team and that, but he was coming off that ankle surgery where they like shaved part of the bone off and he's had, he's had the Achilles problem. He's, you know, the the expectation is that, you know, now if he's a pure rental, it's a one year thing, then teams will pay probably above and beyond the usual rental price. But if it's like a team looking to lock him up long-term, then the question of having one year left in the contract and the injury question mark and him being 28 I think will mitigate his value. So it, like, again, if, if Ottawa wants to get the, the max, I don't think they're going to get the max for Eric Carlson. If they want to get a good, a good deal and a team is worthy and willing to take that risk on him, because there is risk there, then I think a deal will be done. And I think that will, that would be the case. Now, yeah, that, that is a good, I still think there's a chance for the deal. I do. I do believe they'll make him that offer. Mm-hmm. and they'll do it over the summer before they have a chance to trade them. I, I have a feeling in the next couple of weeks we're going to hear an offer. Right. Now they can officially make an offer at any point, right? At this point, they're already within the bounds, correct? I always forget how that works, but I think it's like, because his contract ends, it, can they not make an offer until July, till July 1st? Is that true? No, I'm sorry, say again. They, they cannot they make cannot, a, they cannot contractually they cannot make a an official offer. They right. cannot approach his agent supposedly under, until July 
July until, 5th. July, until like a year before he would become a free agent. So right. that that would be exactly a year. But yeah. you know, they could they they, they could get an an indicator from well, you can talk to him. I mean, obviously he's on your team. You just can't make the deal. I mean, it, it, they can I think they can talk to people. Uh, I, I think I think because if he's on your team, you can't sit there and say you can't talk to him, right? Um, I mean, they can talk to him and see where he's at. They just can't put paper to pen, you know, pen but, paper. But, I guess is a better way to do it. But Russ brought this up during the at, near the end of the season. Uh, Carlson could very simply say to everybody through his agent, "Okay, you can trade for me. I don't have no trade. Pro- I don't think he has no trade protection. I'm, I'm not 100 percent sure, but I'm not signing with anyone. Right. right. I'm going. I'm going to be a free agent." I'm going to, I'm going to go free agent. So right then and there, he screws Ottawa because Ottawa cannot shop him as, okay, here's a guy that you can sign. It's, it's, oh, you know, it's like, and you know, another team can work on him and they, that might just be lip service. But if he comes out and says that, then a team is not going to offer top dollar for him because the, 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 the promise of being able to extend him for eight years is one of the reasons that you try to trade for him now. Right. Is is he worth what you're going to? Is is he worth? I mean, how much would many people say? Okay, he's ten million dollar a year player. Okay, so eight eight years, ten eighty million dollars. That just seems it seems like what's going to happen, and yet it seems at the same time it seems like there's going to be like four years of that that are going to be ridiculous, that are going to be terrible. Like it feels like you know, okay, he's got you know two years maybe at the highest level, three or four years where he's a top. 50 defensemen and then you know who knows right so I, mean, here's the thing. I i think because of the offensive ability and even though speed is a part of it with him it's not everything like remember sergey gonchar he could still play the power play at the end and he wasn't even playing five on five and he was still pretty effective yeah a guy like even dale howard chuck when he was sort of at the end could still right. be on the power play and be effective i think carlson can do that even in his last couple of years so i'm not that concerned about the injury toll. Like I think if Forsberg was able to squeeze out extra years with the Flyers, there's no question to me that Carlson can squeeze out years here. It's just a question of you if you value if you if you base your value on Carlson of the last three or four years, you're probably not getting that out of him over the next four or five years, just simply because he's getting older and he may lose a step. He'll still be, I mean, he's still a top pairing defenseman. He just may not be Norris trophy caliber. I mean, it's, it, it, it t- could take a year for him to bounce back from this, from the I mean, injury. Maybe, that, maybe that was this year, Mike. I mean, maybe this was the year to bounce. Right, exactly. But, but, but he's, 62 points. So like. Not right, a great year, right? right? But at the same time, you know, the right, other thing. Minus four. Say, like when you talk five. about Gonshar and you talk uh, about Howard Chuck, you're talking about an era where they were so superior skaters to everyone else, right? And. Now in this era, like every defenseman coming in from juniors is almost as good a skater as Carlson. I mean, he's not maybe not as great, but they're closer. They're closer than it was back then with Gonchar, who was playing, you know, where he was such a great skater. Howard Chuck, such a great skater. I mean, you look at the defenseman coming in now, like, you know, Provorov or, you know, anybody like that. I mean, their, their skating ability is close to that of Carlson. And so it's not like, so it's, you would think that when Carlson gets older, that that's going to fade and then not going to be as valuable. Yeah. And it's, it's just going to con- increasingly. But Carl, there's, there's, there's more to Carlson than just, just his speed. I mean, oh, yeah, but that's, that's, he's, I know, got incre- I do, he's got incredible playmaking ability and on, on ice vision. It's, I mean, the, the thing is though, is that this year, because he's coming off the injury, I mean, he 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 he. he I mean, there was always criticism of him being so, sort of a defensive liability because you know he was out there so much and he's not exactly. I, I you know his his defense is controlling the puck and 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 rushing the puck right. into the offensive zone. He's not a prototypical defenseman where it's right. not easy to walk around him. Sometimes it is, but. I think you're still going to get that. It's just I don't know how much of that are you're going to get over the next few years. He may not be the defenseman that he was, but he's still pretty damn good. I mean, you're talking about him getting to 35. Right. And even with an injury, I still think he'll be as effective or more at 35 than what we're seeing out of Zdeno Chara now, as an example. 
Yeah, yeah, no, I, I think that's that's true, and I, I, I again, and I think that's mainly because of the skating ability. Like, I think that, that, and I think that the playmaking is, you're right, is there, but I think it's mainly the skating ability. Now, when we think about where he could possibly go if he doesn't go to Ottawa, and I do think that Ottawa is still a really good chance um, for a couple of reasons. One, I think he really wants to play in Ottawa. Um, his his wife he likes it in Ottawa. Um, also, because I think he's more valuable to Ottawa than he is anybody else. I really do. I think that. You know, at the end of the day, that's the team he is most valuable to because uh, Ottawa doesn't is a team that doesn't have a whole lot else going on right now. I, I think those points are valid, Eck, but I think again they're mitigated by the fact that I don't think he wants to play for Eugene Melnick, and I don't think Eugene Melnick wants to keep him because that's the bigger he, one, perhaps. I think right. he, I think he's I don't think he cares about playing for Eugene Melnick so much as as Eugene Melnick doesn't want to keep him. I think right. that's probably more. He doesn't want to spend. Yeah. Eugene Melnick does not want to spend. Yeah. Eight, million dollars us uh, for eight years on eric right. carlson when there are question marks and when he doesn't you know he's probably going through the you know the, that the senators are probably going through a two or three year rebuild they're probably going to trade you know a guy like hoffman or or somebody else they've already traded broussard they've already traded Fanuf. You know they may trade Cody CC over the summer because he's expecting big money. This is a this is a reset based on finances. So if that's the case, then you're not. He's you know they may play the political game of saying we made an offer to Eric Carlson on July one and he spurned the offer. So here, okay, now we give now we have to move him because. You know, we have to get an ass. We have to get assets for them. Right. But I don't think they. Re- I think it's going to be one of those cosmetic offers that they really don't mean it. They really don't want them to accept it. Yeah, and they have to make the offer. You're right. I mean, they they owe, they're they're going to just get killed if they don't. You know, um, by their fan base and by their season ticket holders. Um, they've got to make that offer, and you know, in a way, you know, it's part of the breakup. Like it's part of the breakup of this situation, right? So they right. have to do that. Um, now as to where he would go. You know, we talk about all the teams that are available, and I've been doing a lot of research talking to different people, and, and there's a lot of teams looking for defensemen. Um, and <laughs> like every team? Every team. Every. I mean, and, and you know, and he, he's, he's, like we said, he's great. He does change your salary structure a lot. He changes he changes things there in a big way. So you, there are teams out there that are going to have a really difficult time to do it, like, for say, the Maple Leafs. We'll start there. Um, you know, that about, uh, geez, about, I don't know, about five or six months ago, I was told that there was just no way that the Leafs and Ottawa would get together on a trade for Eric Carlson. That that just wasn't going to happen for a couple of reasons. One, the, neither team wanted to give the other team assets in their own division. Like basically, it was it was just it wasn't just a matter of Ottawa didn't want to see Carlson on the Leafs. The Leafs didn't want to see like Kapanen or whatever is going to take you know on Ottawa. Um, really, really, when I talked to people yesterday and you know the last couple of days, it really feels like Toronto if they're going to take one of these. If they're going to take a big shot, which I'm not sure that they're, I'm not sure that they're going to do, but if they're going to go for a big, big gun, it's more, they're really more focused on Tavares um, and not that they're going to get Tavares or not that they're going to get Carlson. But I think that Tavares is obviously a player that they have, they can go, they can sign and then they can control what they trade away and where they trade away to make the space. Um, and, uh, you know, that, that seems like the biggest thing there, but it is possible now that I've, I've heard that, you know, Ottawa has said to them, listen, and they said to Montreal as well, we'll talk, you know, we'll talk even though you're in the division. So right, they'll, they'll talk, but you think the price for Ottawa, uh, for Toronto and Montreal will be the same as Vegas? Not a chance in hell. They'll make the teams in their division pay more through the nose to get them because they can. Because well, be, uh, I think it'll be the same everywhere, but I, I do. I, I, do. I don't think so. I don't, I don't, I think it'll be high everywhere is what I think. I mean, I think it's going to be, it's going to be high. I don't think it's going to be like, you know, they're going to, they're willing to take less for him to go to Vegas. I mean, they're, but, they're going to not going to do that. But this is, but this, but this is one point that's been, I mean, pretty much confirmed since the deadline, the Leafs, Lou Lamorello was looking for a second first round pick in a deal. Right. And um, and if you extrapolate from that, what that would have meant, that would have been tr- meant trading James Van Riemsdyk because that was the only right. piece that they really had who was a rental that they could get a first-round pick for. And if they would have gotten that second first-round pick, then they conceivably were going to make an offer for Carlson. Now that's that's going far afield here, but hmm? if they're if they're willing if they're willing to trade, you know, to trade to get a first-round pick to make that deal, then in the summer you know, I think they would be willing to do the same thing. So right. 
I, I don't see them not being interested, but I I think there is a limit of how much they would give them. They're not they you know not going to give them two first round picks and William Nealander for Eric Carlson, especially when Eric Carlson's only got a year left in his contract. That's why I think the the value is mitigated because he's only got one year, and if he does come out and say I'm not signing with anybody, then a, a prospect and a first round pick might be all they get for him. Yeah, might be. Um, I do have breaking news. Yeah. So I just saw on Facebook a picture of Uncle Floyd interviewing somebody like a man on the street interview in Bloomfield, New Jersey. Eck, this is startling. I didn't even know Uncle Floyd was still around. Like I just. Who's Uncle Floyd? Everybody knows who Uncle Floyd is, Mike. He was like a local guy who would be on like UHF channels and had like a very low budget comedy show. And I always liked it. I don't know if you liked it, Eck. Yeah. That's that's like that's like Commander Tom in Buffalo. That was the guy who did yeah. did, the, did the did the cartoons in the morning for the. But kids. that's it. it was just a quick. Just wanted to break in with that because I have not seen a picture of him <laughs> in like forty great. years. Great, I'm sure that they, they don't have the the breaking bulletin on CNN. Uncle Floyd is back. That's really funny. Um, no, I totally agree. Now, um, the uh, okay, here's um, sorry, just getting a text about something involving okay. Carlson just now as we speak. But um, okay, so. Next team on my list, uh, the St. Louis Blues, and the Blues are a are a team that has they some people some people I, that I trust at the NHL, you know. And it's funny how much the NHL knows about things like this. Um, they believe they believe that the Blues might be the favorite quietly in the background. Um, that I, I'd I'd be surprised at that for for one okay. in one aspect. The Blues, even if they trade Bo Meester, and I know Bo Meester's got I think a year left in his contract. The Blues problem is not defense. They've got Pareko. They've got Peter Angelo. They've got some decent young defensemen. Their problem is they're weak up the middle and their scoring dried up at the end of the year. I mean, Terry, you know, they traded Paul Stastny. Um, they had injuries, guys like Fabry and Schwar- you know, Schwartz was in and out of the lineup. I mean, I, I mean, they've got a lot of youngsters, and that 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 could be the I mean, Robert Thomas. And Jordan Cairo and 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 Clem Cost and they've got they've got young pieces which would be something that Ottawa would want because they're cheap and yeah. and, and they could hold on to them for six or seven years. So I mean that I think is is what makes the puzzle sort of fit. But I don't think that St. Louis is going to go all out to get Carlson because I don't think that that's the, like the main area of the, I think there's a better chance of them going all out for Tavares because that's a, that's a bigger need for them than defense. Mike, here's something that's counterintuitive, yeah. but plays into X argument. St. Louis is ranked 29th in special teams this year, only 15% on the power play. Okay. Yeah. Which is legit awful for them. And he, and he could run, he definitely could run the power, run a power play. Um, and their defense this year took a, I mean, Pareko is obviously, you know, phenomenal, but but the other the other rest of their defensemen, everyone Peter took. Peter Angelo step. was an early on. I don't know if I don't know if he got hurt. But Peter Angelo in the first two months was a Norris Trophy candidate. He was. He was, but then but then I mean he I mean the, by the end of the year that Blues team was desperate for defensive help. They really were. They were completely, um, you know, and as they were coming down the stretch, when you watch those games and they were trying, they could not keep the puck out of the net. You know, we can blame the goaltender all you want yeah, to. I, I was gonna say, come on, Jamie. I mean, let's, let's let's share so let's share some blame here. Jake Allen was a sieve. No, that's true, but at the same time, him. you know, I think you got you also have to look at the defense on that situation. You do. It's not all him. It's it's. I would say it's fifty five percent him, but it's not all him. Yeah, and the defense has the, so the so the, the Blues. You know, they they do want to. They could actually move a pretty good defenseman, or you know, back to Ottawa in this deal too, which is good. Um, you know, who might just need a new a new start. Maybe we're talking about, you know, Bomeister or Peter Angelo or somebody like along those lines. Um, if they wanted to, you know, if the if this deal was made, I mean, you'd have to assume that they would and not, they would be able to talk to Carlson. And I think this is something you can safely assume in general, that people will be able to talk to Carlson about a deal like it. So they'll know when they make the trade that they can extend him. I think that's something that you'll know ahead of time for the most part. Um, so the Blues are and now the next team is is an interesting one and that is the chicago blackhawks now the blackhawks are you know we sit there and we sit there we can say okay they've obviously you know they have salary cap issues for sure they're going to be right up against it what are they going to do how are they going to make this move but they also have the have a severe desire i was told to make some kind of major trade and whether that means you know moving you know 
dunking Keith out there, moving Seabrook out of there. Um, both don't have a whole ton of value now, but both could be moved to it in the right situation. Or it means moving one of their forwards. I mean, you know, we would say everybody, but Kane and Taves is probably available. And at that point, you know, you could even say it well, is one of the is Taves possibly available. You know, like well, I don't think Kane's not available. And this is the this is the problem. If you if you if you're putting together a deal involving Carlson going to the Blackhawks, and the Blackhawks wanting to include Seabrook or Keith in the deal, the last team that will do that is Ottawa because there's long-term money there and they don't want to add, they don't want to add money. They, you know, that's the whole reason that they're trade. They may trade Carlson is because they don't want to sign him for 80 million. Or but don't right. eliminate the fact that there could be a third team. In yeah, there. right. Well, and that, that was what, that was what I was going to say. But the problem is, is that then, then you're putting, then you're putting Ottawa in, in the place of being the middleman and probably having to shave salary to make, the pallet make the the Seabrook deal or the Seabrook contract or the Keith contract palatable, and that and that's the thing is that they don't want to retain money either. Mm-hmm. You know they were they were you know they they retained a little money on Fanuf because Fanuf was making seven million dollars a year and they had to make yeah. that that deal palatable to LA to to make the the, right. the thing work. But you know you're talking about you know Seabrook making almost seven million dollars. You're talking about Keith making five and a half, but for a long time. I mean, right, I right. don't think Ottawa is the team that's going to be, be, be that sort of middleman in that no, type of deal. It would be hard to imagine, but I, I know the Hawks are very creative and they could try to figure, you know, it could yeah. be the, it could be the kind of team that tries to figure it out. Um, maybe the Hawk, maybe the Hawks would be the one. Maybe, maybe. I mean, if you're talking about a three-way trade, I'm going to text Kevin Allen. I'm just, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah maybe, I think, maybe, maybe, maybe the Hawk, maybe Stan Bowman would be the one to say, okay, for me to get, Seabrook off my hands. I'll retain two million bucks and make him a five million dollar defenseman, and maybe somebody will bite on that. Not Ottawa because Ottawa is in the rebuild, but there's another team out there that's so hard up for a defenseman that yeah. they would take Seabrook at five million and say, "Okay, that's a risk I'm willing to take." Right, or somebody who believes you know that Seabrook still has something left beyond what we saw this year. Um, you know which. You know, you don't know how hurt a guy was or whatever. You don't know a bunch of things about a player, so it's hard to tell. You have to do some real research into that. You'd have to make sure you did your background to make sure that you get you're getting the right trade in that one. But it, it's possible. I mean, Seabrook, you know, was a very good player not too long ago. So you know, just because he struggled this year, and Keith the same way. I mean, Keith at times was even worse than Seabrook at times this year. So he had a really bad year. He did. He really, they really did. So maybe, maybe a change of pace is is helpful. Then now the next team would be the the Vegas Golden Knights. And yeah. now we've talked about, obviously, they were the one who everybody talked about at the deadline. I think the best thing that could have happened to them was not making that trade at the deadline. I th- just feel yeah. like the way that they're, who knows what they would have had to give up and the way they're going right now, you know, with chemistry. Why would they do anything at this point? You know, I don't think McPhee is looking to make big contract deals anyhow. He's not. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I do think that the deadline deal included Bobby Ryan, and I think that that was part of the whole um concept i you know from what the research i've done it does seem like that that was something that they were not so they weren't giving up that much as terms of players because they were taking on so much salary and they're the only team that could possibly have done that um but you know at the same time you know and i also heard i've also heard bobby ryan one one source told me bobby ryan's name could be mentioned could be included in the blues in a blues deal too but i don't know exactly how that plays out either um which does give him another center, like well, you're saying, Mike. The, the only, the only, the, the only thing I would say to that is, if that's the case, then St. Louis is acquiring Carlson as purely a one-year rental. Because, yeah, that's awesome. yeah, because because Ryan's contract, I think he's got four years left. It's over seven million bucks. Yeah. And if you're, you know, if unless you know, you're just saying, I'm we're walking away from Bo Meester and we give him Bo Meester's money, but he's gonna ex, he's gonna expect more than six million bucks. You're you're talking about Carlson making eight, nine, nine yeah. and a half, ten million dollars. Yeah. So, yeah. Here's an, you know, I I, I think you you're onto something with that, Mike, for sure. Um, the the thing about it with with Carlson and Vegas, Brandstrom's having a really good year. Branch them oh, yeah. might just be elevated next year, and you don't have yeah. to spend this kind of money, right? Oh yeah, no. I mean, they've got they've got so many guys having good years. It's it's um and such a good chemistry. Now, obviously, Eric Carlson is a is a great person, great player. And I mean, you're not gonna, he's not going to mess up your chemistry at all. He's going to come in there and he's going to be he's going to do what he's what he does, you know. And he, he'll help them. I mean, and 
he could make Vegas extremely dangerous. I mean, uh, they're already extremely dangerous, but you know, Eric Car- in addition to Eric Carlson could really could make them. And this is why they, this is why they obviously tried to get it done at the deadline. Um, but uh, moving to Montreal, the next team. Now, Montreal is the the one team. The one thing with Montreal, well, there's a couple things with Montreal. One, it, again, when you're ex- you have to always take the taxes into, into consideration in Montreal with with extended contracts and whether or not Carlson that you know that extra money matters to Carlson. It it probably does. I mean, it's it's like twenty percent of his contract goes away when he goes to Montreal. So that's why you don't see many Montreal Canadians with te- you know them them signing these ten million dollar players or whatever. It's it's a tough spot for them to be in. Um. And the Montreal Canadiens, but the Montreal Canadiens, the Molsons have said to them, to, to um, for management, you know, do whatever you have to do this summer to change things around without a rebuild. That's what I was told. So they're not, they don't want to rebuild. They're going to do whatever they can do without a rebuild. Um, which, and, which I think, which I think go, goes hand in hand with what I said last week after the lottery, that if you looked at the top five teams picking, the one that has the best chance of trading out of their pick is Montreal because they will because there's pressure on them on Bergevin yeah. to win now and if there's an opportunity for him to trade that pick and get somebody that helps them right away I, I think it's stupid I think it's short-sighted but I'll bet you anything that there if there's a chance of one of those picks being traded it's Montreal that is the the, the odds-on favorite yeah and that I think know. there's a chance of that I do mm-hmm. um but here's the thing Eck. you could take the label off Bud Light put some other label on it, it's still Bud Light. So how much can you do in the offseason to really change this Montreal Canadiens team? It's more than just a piece or two. Right? Yeah, I mean, I think that – I think Pacioretty's gone this offseason. I think – I, so. I don't think they're going to do it. They're trying. I think – Well, the, okay, mm-hmm. this, this is the problem. I don't see any team out there trading the piece that they need the most – for them to improve there is no number one center out there for trade right right now okay if the if they're in on Tavares they're in on Tavares but do I think that John Tavares is going to Montreal not a chance in hell so I mean I don't know how they address number one center they can get out they can go out and trade for Ryan O'Reilly from Buffalo or there are other centers out there who might improve their their situation up the middle but until they get that linchpin number one center that teams in their division have with, you know, with Stamkos, with Barkov, with Matthews, with Eichel, they're not going anywhere. So there is a number one center that they're talking to. I can't really, I'm not allowed to talk about it yet, but they are, they're not, it is a number one center. It is a big center on a team that we've already discussed. And it is possible that, you know, they could go for the, they they could make a big play for this. I, again, it's a tough situation to, to think about actually, actually happening but you know they would be a number one so you're right that is their top priority i don't think it's Tavares. i agree with you on that one it's not it's not gonna be Tavares. Um, he wouldn't go there anyhow i don't think no this is more of a straight up a straight up trade um yeah. and it would require the player to waive his trade to go to montreal too so it's that's that's not easy either so um the final team and the dark horse is the new york islanders with erickson and now this is a this you know comes into play obviously hearing hearing the Lou Lamorello rumors and all that stuff happening yeah. now trying to keep Tavares there they pretty they don't they don't seem to be panicking right now about losing Tavares um, yet I haven't gotten that sense um, and does any you know Lou Lou comes in they sign Eric Carlson suddenly the world looks a lot better to Tavares um, you're now asking me to suspend belief where Lou is going to give Eric Carlson top of the market money I'm not buying it right uh. I, they have the money. To, they have the money. To go to, if he goes to New York, he is not coming on a discount. Right. No, I don't think he's coming on a discount. But I think that they have the they have the money to spend. And you know, so, so let me get the let me get this straight. They're going yeah. to trade for Eric Carlson, and they're going to sign him for top dollar, and then they're going to re-sign Tavares for top dollar. Right. And they still have not addressed the problem that has caused them to be crap the last few years, which is goaltending. Yeah, they have to address goaltending, but you don't, you don't, you don't have to get a ten million dollar goalie. No, I mean, but but you but you also you also have to have you're, you're going to be trading assets to get Carlson. So right. the assets that you're using to get Carlson, and honestly, defense. I mean, don't get me wrong; any team can use Eric Carlson, but defense in and of itself, is not the Islanders' problem. I totally disagree there. I think defense is exactly the Islanders' problem. Like, no, I, 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 
I mean, they, they don't have a rock-solid defense, but it's a decent defense. Their yes. goaltending was the issue. Yes. Yep. Now, their goaltending is definitely the issue, but they have all the same kind of defensemen. They don't have, like, the same kind – they don't have the same – they don't have a shutdown defenseman, really. They did – you know, they – Pulak. They've got Bo, Boychuk. They've got – They utilize Pulak the way they, they, he utilized, to be honest. Well, yeah. No, yeah, he could turn into that for sure, but and, – No, and, not a shutdown. He'll, he will be the offensive guy. But the, the offensive guy, is, yeah. But the point is, like, Boychuk's offense is not there anymore. So right. Boychuk should be the shutdown guy at this point. Right. right. I mean, there's still – Boychuk and Letty are, are – they're still kind of their top guys. You no, know? Letty's great. But Pulak should be right there after Letty offensively, and right. then you make Boychuk the shutdown guy. Mm-hmm. I don't – and Mayfield's a pretty good defenseman. Like, I don't see a big problem with their defense. I don't. No, I mean, it's it's – I don't know. It's better. There's every team in the league. Every team can be better, but I I really have heard that they that is a, that is their concern. Like when I've talked to people around them, that that is where they see it's it. It's on Brandon Manning, and it would help their defense. Like I'm just saying, right? Yeah, which, which, which act? And and I'm not disputing what you're saying, but the yeah. okay, the fact that if if that's what's coming out of the Islanders, that is why they need to fire Garth Snow. Because if you think that the problem for that team is their blue line, and you're not, a, you know, is this the goaltender mentality that you're 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 blind to the fact that your goaltending was crap last year? I mean, that's what cost you a playoff spot. Is that Halak and Grice were not even? They were the worst tandem in the NHL. They oh, were yeah. the worst. So no, improve they were. The, improve that, and that's that's a start. Yeah, there's no question. I mean that that that's where they've they've got to get a solid they've got to get a solid goalie. There's no two ways about. It. Couldn't agree more. But you know, we'll see where they where they play this out. They just they they're not happy with their defense either. So that's all I have with it. You know, that's all I all I have with that. Um, but um, we'll. I mean, that's and like I said, I, I call them a dark horse. I don't even have them on the rumor chart as a team that I see them going to. But um, let's uh, let's move on and let's move on and talk. Uh, let's talk some hurricanes, Russ. All right, so I did watch the press conference. I watched mm-hmm. about 15 minutes of it. I don't know how long it went because I had to hop on serious. Um, so here's what I got out of it. Rod Brendamore is well-liked in Carolina. We know that. He'll probably sell some tickets, even though he was there already as an assistant. But as the coach, you know, he could go out there and, I think, you know, sway some people. So that's fine. Uh, they're keeping most of the coaching staff. They've kept Don Waddell. They're keeping the goalie coach because he has a Stanley Cup ring. Let me just explain one thing that I think is the biggest misnomer in sports. Just because you are part of a Stanley Cup winning coaching staff and your team has won it, shouldn't give you a pass for life. And the Carolina Hurricanes goaltending last year was so abysmal, you would think that that would be a position they would change instantly, and they're not. And they're not making a lot of changes. Actually, Brendan Moore just talked about bringing in one person. And so he'll probably do that. He didn't say what kind of coach he's going to be. He didn't say what kind of style they're going to play. He just said they expect more out of everybody. And he did say that he felt like if everybody was better, they probably all could stay. But, you know, that's not going to happen. They're going to make some moves. So I learned nothing. I really learned nothing other than they're going to hold the players more accountable. And Ron Brindamore is well-liked. And he is going with what's comfortable. And the team is by keeping most everybody there that was there last year when he had problems. And to be honest, I wouldn't even be shocked that they re-signed Cam Ward. Like I just, at this point, I don't know what they're going to do. I still don't know. If you're a fan, you don't know what they're going to do yet. You have no idea. Here, here's a quote from Dundon. And okay. I've come to the conclusion that strategy is pretty overrated. I don't believe that strategy differences are as important as getting the right culture and the right attitude. I think, I think he by he means Brindamore gives us the best chance of getting the most out of our players. We're pretty down, far down the road to get what we what where he wants the team to be. But the NHL proves that the best players don't always win. The best player best teams are the ones that work the hardest. No, it's the team with the most talent that works the hardest. Right. You don't have enough talent. You've got some talent. You don't have a good enough goaltender. You're overloaded on defense, and you can't score. And until you address that, your team is not going to make the postseason. I mean, I was legitimately – Steve Coolius asked me – Jesus. Like, he asked me the greatest question, and, and I have to – and I'm only going to repeat it because I just felt like you can never be prepared for this. <laughs> he said, you know, the bottom three teams in the Metro were the Islanders, the Rangers, and the Hurricanes. 
who's in the best shape going forward? And I said, well, I don't think any of them are in good shape for next year to make the playoffs. Unless, you know, obviously if the Rangers were to get to Barris, which I didn't bring up, that would change that. But if they don't, I still would take the Rangers because they moved out guys like Rick Nash and turned things over. And they're ahead of the other teams in that direction. Carolina hasn't done that yet. So I feel like Carolina, even though they are close, mm-hmm. they still are far enough away that they're not a playoff team. Right. And it's and- changes. And one of them is you either have to get a goalie to push Darling or you have to push Darling as your backup. And to me, it doesn't seem like they're, you know, that's going to, it's going to go start off that way at least. And this, if, if you could pick the draft that it was the worst draft for them to pick in the top five, this is the worst draft. Not to say that the draft is bad and the top five is bad, but the strengths of the Canes right now are blue line and wing. And the, and the top five products in this draft are wing and defense. Right. And that, so I don't know if that means they trade that pick, which I don't. I don't think they should. I mean, because Svechnikov or 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 Brady Kachuk or Zadina are will be good players, but they're going to have to make a decision to trade either a defenseman or a winger to get stronger up the middle. And if they can't get stronger up the middle, they're spinning their wheels. And 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 they also, as Russ said, they have to get a goaltender too. So, you know, good luck, Don. Yeah. You're right. No, I mean, it, it's this interesting. Big, this is a big deal. Like we're, yeah. And I'm, and I'm very open. Like I'm trying to keep an open mind here, but we're a couple yeah. of months down the road in this new ownership. And I think they've addressed the problem of bringing in more fans by hiring Brindamore. I don't know if they've addressed the goaltending problem or the coaching problem right. of last year by almost keeping everybody else the same. Uh, I don't think they had totally fully addressed the GM problem. I think they fixed it, right? But I don't think they fixed it long term. We, you know, they only asked what Brindamore's contract was, and it's three years. He wouldn't give the terms. How long is Waddell's contract for? Yeah, I don't know. We don't know. So, like, there's or a is lot he just still going off the contract he had before? Like he was president, he and he just could be, and he could be, and so like, there's all these questions, and do you still? Here's another question, okay? This one is a real good debatable one that you could go either way. But something that came out in the press conference, and Don Waddell was the one who said it, was he's on the phone a lot with Tom Dundon because Dundon still lives in Dallas, but he's in Carolina every week. Right. Right. Is that enough if you want to be that hands-on owner that he's talking about that wants to handle all that he wants to handle – you know, that's right. Don't you think that that's another thing? No, oh, I do think that's a, I think that's a very big other thing. I completely agree with you. It, it's a, it's a huge, I get that he could jet back and forth, but I'm just saying, you know, a lot of owners do that, but it's still, it's just, I don't know. It's, it's a tough one. I mean, it's, it's, it's a tough spot to be in. And you, cause you're, if you're not if you're not gonna be there all the time, you're really depending on heavily. Now Waddell can handle it, but yeah. And Dudley can, Dudley's in there too. So you have to, yeah, keep Dudley is, is, the, is like for the, for the hurricanes fans, he is the hope that he's a saving better, grace. Yeah. Yes, better things will happen. We don't know what Brendan Moore will do as a head coach. We don't, we know what Don Waddell did before. We don't know if like, he's going to just be like a steady influence and not a major influence on trades. And maybe that's going to be Dudley. We don't know how that's going to work. Yeah. We don't know what kind of team they're going to be. They haven't told us they're going to be up tempo. They haven't told us they're going to be defensive. They haven't told us anything. Here's the other thing about that that I, I'm a huge thing. I'm a huge proponent of this. I never think it works when you have an assistant coach who's been there for such a long time at this on the same team jump into the head coaching role. Um, it just it's yep. a different yes. dy- it's such a different dynamic, you know. And because um, yeah. the 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 assistant coach is often the good cop in the good cop bad cop scenario. So players get closer to that closer to the assistant mm-hmm. coaches. Isn't yeah. that what happened? Isn't that what happened with Dave Lewis in Detroit? He was bad. He was an assistant coach for like a decade, and then he yeah. became head coach. And he yes. happened with Craig Berube in Philadelphia. You know, yeah, um, temporarily there for that. Yeah, like I mean, it, it 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 now assistant coaches can definitely jump into head coaching roles, but not in the same place they've been. Like not with the same right. players they've been because you know the relationships are deep, and and these guys spend a lot of time together, and they you know Brindamore is a player friendly type guy. Obviously played the game, you know. And it's he's got to now he's got to now be the hard ass, you know. That's just not an easy thing to transition into from the same team. I'm just not I'm not a fan of it. I don't. It's really hard to do. Like 
just I've seen players I've seen I haven't really seen it pulled off like in a way that I can say okay that makes that that it works there you know if we if did see is, online that Tom Dundon from the original press conference somebody put the quote out there that he was going to shake up the culture he's done the opposite so far yeah no he's just he's just enhanced he's just he's just he's been on the culture like he because he hasn't been able to get anybody from the outside to come into the culture so yeah I, I agree. That's that's that that. I mean, I feel bad for Brendan Moore, and I think you know Takic sort of faces the same thing. Takic's an assistant too, but yeah, I don't know. There's, I feel, I, I, yeah, I think Brendan, Brendan Moore is more than qualified to be a head coach. Like you know, I talked to people around because I was curious. You know, we've never seen him as a head coach, and people really do believe. There's a lot of people in the NHL who believe that he can be a really good head coach, but you know, because he has the intelligence for it, and he has the but the way this is going to play out, the the dynamic thing he's got to play through, that's really tricky. It is tricky because he, he talked about there's no real special sauce to a winning attitude, but he knows how to do it, but he didn't convey it today. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. And and these players are going to come in really looking to looking for something different from him. For the guidance, yes. They're gonna look for something different and they know him so well. I mean, they've he's been there for a, like four years, I think, as an assistant. So that's that's a significant amount of time. I mean, they granted they have a lot of young players, but you know, this is, by the way, is also when I was talking, when I was doing some digging on Carolina, this is another place where Rick Nash could end up, I was told. Um, you know, I have to dig into that further, but, you know, this is a place where he could, where Nash could end up playing. Oh, boy, lucky. They got to come up with something. Um, a little bit of, okay, before we, we're going to we're gonna end with, we're going to end with a draft, um, a draft thing from Russ, but I wanted to do a little ex attic thing for you guys today. So this is a game that I had and I had when I was a kid and it, it, I found it online. It's pretty funny. I was looking, looking for it. Um, this came out in 1959. Okay, um, it's called Hawk Key. I don't know why. I don't know why. <laughs> we just joke about the name of this. It's like, it's like Hawk Key, um, and I never was quite sure why it was called that. It's um, here's the exciting inside of the box. Um, all right, but and it, where it's also Hawk Key, you can see. Um, 1958. For trademark purposes. I bet you anything it was. It had yeah. to be a trademark thing, huh? Yeah, you're probably right. So here's the actual game itself. Um, this is a game that is, it's it's you know it's it's not bubble hockey or rod hockey ish. It's got little things that pop up to shoot a ball um, through. So it's like you know there's a it's kind of more like a you see the like basketball version of this more often. Probably you now this one particularly doesn't have the goalie actually. It just has oh the- yeah, I know. I can see what it does. Yeah, this is like this is like this is like the game that you played when we were kids, where you had a tabletop at school with like the with a penny, like yeah. shooting it. You know. Oh yeah, it kind of has that thing to it. Yeah, this is more yeah. the more like these each of these things like flip up these right. like yeah. little metal things. They just they're yeah. like flippers. It, it catapults it. Right, it catapults it exactly. Um, and so this is 1958. I just love like the. Uh, the graphics on this thing and stuff like that are just really, I was oh, trying to figure awesome. out actually if this is the goal behind it, I believe it is. Yeah. This, this, like this. So it's, I don't know why That's there's a net. A, so why do they have a net? I don't know why there's a net there. And obviously you would need a goalie <laughs> actually put something on here to block that. Or do there. No, this is with six attackers. So that's why the goalie. Right. There. There's like no, uh, yeah, there's nothing there. So <laughs> it's the kind of thing where, you know, the ball would end up like stuck along the wall. You have to push it into one of these holes. So it's that kind of game. It's uh you can um you, you can get it all for uh for sixty bucks on Etsy. Oh boy, I don't there think you're getting it. it to play though. I think you're really getting it just to just look to at. Oh yeah, this is historical more than anything else. I mean, fifty eight. You're talking about ten years before the you know the expansion of hockey from six teams. So this this is you know th- there was a board game at all involving hockey at that point. It's pretty surprising. So this is like, and that's early. That's very early on there. So there you have hockey, nineteen fifty-eight. So Russ, you have um. But by the way, if you have an X attic thing, send it to me um at at um Eklund at hockeybuzz.com. Put X attic in the subject and let us know what you have. If, if you have, if, and be great if if you could just shoot a video or something like that about you know with it or whatever that would be phenomenal. We'd love to put that on. I'm surprised Jody hasn't said anything about X Attic yet. Like, you better start selling some of the stuff in yours. <laughs> yeah. No, what, 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 she, what, 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 what she's looking for in X Attic is the broom to clear out all the right. dust. She's trying to find the attic. We don't even know where it is. <laughs> you, can't, you can't even see it at this point. Um, it's more like it's, it's more like uh, 
the joke with the joke is that I, I arrive at a place and explode into the space, like no matter right. where it is. Like if, if I'm at, if I'm I've at a hotel and I explode when I get to a hotel room, it's just like yes. I just I just spread out right immediately from where I am. Yeah, we're not the neatest people in the world. Anyway, uh, Russ, what do you have in the um Okay. So for the NHL draft, let's talk about Joel Farabee. And if people want to see where my rankings are, they can go to sportsology.com. I'm not going to talk about where he's going to go, but I'm just going to talk about the player. So mm-hmm. he's a six foot, like 180 pound winger, left winger. And like Mike talked about, he'll be in that top 10 for sure. Mm-hmm. If he isn't in the top 10, he'll be right after that. But I think he's a top 10 guy. And when you're looking at that kind of guy these days, we're not worried as much about size. And he's, I, I've been next to him and I've seen him and I think he could probably put on like, you know, 10, 15 pounds of muscle still. But even with the way he is right now, he is so elusive and so hard for defenders to to cover him that he always seems to come up with scoring chances when you don't think there's one out there. And so like he finds the open space, he has a great shot, but he's also really creative. And he is also that guy that you want out on the ice, like late in periods, late in the game because he will just find something out of nothing. And the skating's great. The hockey IQ is terrific. He, when he plays with top players, he it's arguable, like when he plays with like a Jack Hughes or someone, that he makes them better too. And so he is one of those guys that I think right now isn't being talked about enough. Now, he is an NTDP guy, so certainly he gets talked about. Right. But I still don't think he gets talked about enough. And I think, I, again, I just have this feeling if he were six foot three, you know, he would be, you know, in the top three in the draft. Right. And so somebody's going to get a guy that will be an absolute impact player in the NHL when he gets there someday. Mm-hmm. And and that's the that's the thing about this guy. And that's why when I always say that, you know, you can never fully pin down a draft, you can't, right? Because some teams will not tell you, but they still will draft out of need. And they may not even tell anybody that, but they may still look at things and say, Listen, we're deficient in this. We're going for this. And once one team does that, and once one other team picks off the board that everybody else has, it changes everything. Yeah, it does. You see it. You he had, it he, had uh, he had 15 goals, 25 assists, and 26 games for the USNDP. Team. Yeah, pretty good. Not bad. Um, and the thing is, Russ, it's like, like you said, six foot one sixty four is his are his dimensions. Is it one sixty four? Wow, I didn't realize it was that that's, long. That's, but what he, hockey, that's what hockey DB has now. They'll up. We'll find an update of that at the at the combine. Yeah. Uh, in next month, because I guess he's probably one seventy, but we'll probably play. You know, like in the middle of his career, like 180, 185. But right now, based on that, we're getting you're getting sort of the same vibe that like Mitch Marner had. He was six yes. five eleven, six foot, but slight of build, and whether he'll be able to build on that frame and get stronger. But right now, the player as is has got top end talent. So that's 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 what a lot of these teams have to sort of get away from the mentality of okay, can this guy get really big? There is room in the NHL now for smaller players to succeed. I'll give you a good example. Um, I just wrote about Sam Gerrard not that long ago. And when I went and looked up his weight and I got it from the NHL's website, so I have to trust it, it still said like 162 pounds. Right. And he is surviving in the NHL scoring. You know, he had like 20-something points as a defenseman at 160-something pounds. So, I, you know, I do think it is possible and Marner's certainly doing it. And Marner has put on a little bit of muscle, and I think yes. Farabee will do it the same way as Marner. I think he has a little bit bigger of a frame, but not much, yeah. but a little bit bigger. Yeah, six feet is not short, you know. Um, no. But at the same time, you know, yeah. you but can def- structure and everything, just because you're six feet doesn't mean you're going to be – like you could be six feet, 200 pounds, and be perfectly proportioned, and right. someone else could be six foot, 180, and be perfectly proportioned. Right, completely. Um, it is interesting to me, like you bring up that he's a winger, and we talked about before, like – it, you know, you go back like 10 years and everybody was a center, right? It was like, it's just, just amazing to me. Like you really, you really have seen, we've really seen this whole thing of like, okay, we need puck moving defense and then wingers. Yeah. So yeah. like suddenly like all these guys like five years ago decided, okay, well, you know, maybe they were playing wherever they're playing. You're going to be a puck moving defense. And you're going to be a winger. Um, Cause you got a better chance to chance. The NHL. Well, think about this. How many guys go into, we talk about every year, go into the drafts and they're listed as a center. Yeah. Then we almost never see them at center. The Leafs have two of them. Uh, even Scott Lawton, who played center for a little while, then got moved to the wing this year. I, I mean, most of these guys that are on the list as a center yeah. don't ever play center in the NHL. Yeah. yeah. Mar- Marner played as a right winger when 
London won the Memorial Cup. He played the center the year after. Right. Uh, but yeah, he played, sorry, he played center the year before, excuse year me. Before, yeah, not the year. Yeah. So, so, you know, but and he's never, he's never played, I don't think he's played a shift at center in his NHL careers, and he's never going to because he can play make on the wing. Well, right? look, at, look at the best example of that this year was Claude Giroux. I mean, for crying out loud, you know, Giroux, right. the center right. his entire life, you would, you would have, you know, you would have expected a big pushback for telling him you're going to play on the wing. Um, you know, from, from most players, like we've heard like from Stamkos or whatever, when, you know, you're going to play on the wing, it's a disaster, right? Yeah. Goes to the wing and goes to the wing and scores a hundred points for the first time in his career. You know, it's just like, it's just, it's kind of, it's, it's crazy. And and I talked to somebody about this recently and they said, you know, they really think that, and this is a funny, this was a funny theory. This is because it's an old, old school hockey guy. And he said, um, he said the two line pass has made wingers way more effective. The, the lack of a two line pass. In the, over the last, and we're looking at a decade of no two line pass now. You know, okay. twelve years has made that. wingers has made wingers way more effective in scoring, um, and and made and made and made centers have to be way more responsible defensively. Mm-hmm. Well, here's the thing, and 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 that's a great point, and I'm going to build on that point. I think now when teams are looking at true centers, like someone they really believe is going to play center, I think they're looking more at the Bo Horvat types. Mm-hmm. And they are looking at what we saw in the 80s and 90s where they're the really high-scoring, big playmaking types. Like the Adam Oates center, you know, like right. that. That's yeah, the Adam Oates centers, there's very few of those guys now. Yeah, they're yeah. looking They're looking for <clears throat> They're looking for centers with physical stature. Yes. And, and that are good defensively, you know, like they have to be defensively with the other part of that equation. Yes. Right, yeah. and, if, and, if you, and if you get somebody who is a playmaker on top of having those skills, then you're talking about – then you're talking about – a Matthews, you know, like Pierre Dubois. Again, we have to give full credit yeah. to Yarmul Kekalainen and the staff in Columbus because when everybody threw a fit that they said he was going to play center, they right. sent him back. They made him play center. He did well. They brought him up, and with his physical stature and the way he played center this year, he is a center. They were right. Yeah, and Pulleyarvi is still in the AHL. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. And I, I I think that, you know, really, you know, guys like Giroux will tell you flat out that the not having defensive responsibility is probably has more to do with his points than anything else. Like Absolutely. the fact that he doesn't have to think about it, guys, the centers really have a ton to pick up, especially with puck moving defensemen yeah. the way they are now. Centers are picking up so many players. They're point guards of the team, and we don't really look at it that yeah. way in hockey, but they really are. And mm-hmm. I used to play point guard, and really it's a difficult position because – even though I had a really good shot, I ended up playing point guard because I had a defensive mind. And right. when you're in the NHL, you have to have a defensive mind at center. You can't be a completely offensive center in this league. It doesn't work. Yeah, because you're picking. You not only are you not only are you having to worry about other puck moving defensemen and picking up your spot in the slot back when you're when you're covering on the defense end. You're also having to drop back a lot when the defenseman flies past you on your right. team. So you're, it, there's a lot of times when you the, the centers are constantly in the in the mode of like oh you know picking up for a set picking up for a defenseman who's come in so yeah center has changed a ton and you know I I don't know if it's the two line pass or what it is exactly I thought that was kind of an interesting thing but I think that I do think it's I think it's a combination of two line pass and the fact that defensemen now we have like sixty percent of them are fucking moving defensemen now it's kind of just that's it just feels like you know it's higher than that I mean really when we're talking about a defensive defenseman now. We're not talking about, you know, like Jeff Bukaboom or right. Chris Perrion. Yeah, like a Luke Richardson that's not around anymore. Richardson, we're not talking about those guys anymore. We're talking about guys that can skate really well, Yeah, has, still have a really good first pass, can still pass very well, but also can defend. And they don't even have to be fully physical anymore. And and that's why, like, big defensemen who may be slowing down, who have had injuries like a Shea Weber – you know, I mean, I, I still think I still think Shea Weber is a great defenseman, but you know, Chara and him—they're sort of an anachronism now. It's yeah. just you know that they, yeah. they, uh-huh. they may not be able to keep up with the speed of the league and with their big, at least with Weber, his big contract. That's an albatross around Montreal's neck. Like really, yeah. in a perfect world, like Ryan McDonough, when his offense goes a little bit because he's not a great offensive player, can be a perfect shutdown defenseman in this league. This yeah. would be the this would be the perfect opportunity this summer for Montreal to move Shea Weber while he still has value to a team that is desperate for for defensive help. But based on the mentality of that organization and where we think they're going, 
there's not a chance in hell they're doing it. So I think there's I think they're they're shooting themselves in the foot. It's not that Mike too. They do charge a lot for tickets. They do need a certain amount of name. I get I get that I get that yeah. Russ. But the thing but the thing is when you have a guy who's got the length of his contract, the amount that he's being paid, and the fact that if he may be declining, and you know you will not be able to get rid of him in a couple of years, and you really need to rebuild, even though you're basically saying that you're not going to. It's just smart management to make, to, to make that move, but they won't do it. Well, here's the thing. I mean, he only played 26 games, but he had 16 points. Yeah. If you average that out, he still had a Shea Weber year. I'm still, I'm, still, I'm still saying he's a good defenseman, but, okay, what is he, 33? He's got maybe, yeah, 32 or 33. He's got two or three at most good years left, and this is when you need to move him if you're going to move him. Otherwise, you're going to get stuck with him. Actually, in August he'll be thirty-three. Okay. I, you know what? I'm not ready to move Shea Weber. I think, I think they could start in a two-year window. Listen, I mean, you can't move everybody, Mike. I mean, your argument is always you got to move them for assets. And then yeah. I just got off the radio, and we just talked about it yesterday when they moved Ian Cole for assets. The Penguins yeah. hurt themselves. Well, I mean, in that in that instance, yes, I'm I'm not I'm not in favor of moving players for assets when you're in the position that Pittsburgh is of yeah. winning another Stanley Cup. I'm talking about a team that has legitimately little chance of winning a Stanley Cup in the next two or three years. That is when you move at, move uh, players for assets. It's where you are at the time. But maybe about Weber want to move, and, and that's another thing too. Yeah. Yeah, last thing I'll say and we'll get out of here. The thing about Weber is is the fact that, you know, he is also a great quarterback of the entire team back there. So, I you know, he's he's guiding young defensemen around and showing them what is he's he's always pointing, he's always talking. You know, like you'll see when a team comes in and he's on he's one of the two defensemen that are skating backwards. He's he's his hands are up, he's yelling stuff. He's and that's really important to a team like Montreal that doesn't have a lot of experience back there. So, he's yeah, he's yeah, he, 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 he was a great help to Sergat. Oh, wait a second. Sorry, they traded Sergaccia. <laughs> oh, oh man. That was just evil. Mark. We got right to the end without a Montreal Canadiens thing. Cut. Um, Sorry. anyway, remember without the buzz, folks, it is just hockey. Tomorrow we will be talking about game seven. And um, but it was fun talking rumors today. Thanks so much for watching. And we will have we will have Kevin Allen tomorrow. Oh, great. We'll have Kevin Allen ahead of game seven tomorrow. That's gonna be so much fun, and we just can't wait. So we'll talk to you then. Remember without the buzz, it's just hockey. Talk to you soon. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.